podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. podcast on tuesday september 1st brought to you by eplindex.com and our presenting sponsor liberty shield liberty shield is a vpn provider so do check out all their products at libertyshield.com it's a new month but some things stay the same in the premier league and one of those things is that burnley don't like to spend any money So reports are that they're very, very interested in signing uh, Joe Worrell, the central defender from Nottingham Forest. Highly rated player, 23 years of age. Has done well in the championship, did well on a loan spell at Rangers two years ago as well in in the SPL. And Burnley are interested in bringing him in. Uh, They're looking to add depth behind James Tarkovsky and Ben Mee. And Worrell would make sense. He's the right age. He's the right profile. He's the right style of defender for them. Sean Dyche, as we know, very, very good at developing central defenders. Forrest have set a price in the region of around 10 million on Worrell. And Burnley have decided that that's far too much and they're not willing to pay more than 4 million. Now, Forrest's price might be a little bit high, but I would imagine they're open to discussing it and that if you were to sit down with them you could haggle it out a deal for about eight million but Burnley's four million is it's insulting to Forrest and it's insulting to the player he's worth more than that and this is a a theme with Burnley that has been in place the entirety of Sean Dyche's time at the club I mean he took over in the middle of the 2012-2013 season and then in his first full season with a fairly minimal spend I mean, the only player they bought for actual money in his first full season was Ashley Barnes, who they brought in from Brighton. They finished second in the championship and got promoted, which was a fantastic achievement for a club like Burnley. So they come up and they don't spend a whole lot of money. They bring in Michael Kitely, Marvin Sordell, Stephen Ward, George Boyd. Michael Keane arrived in the January window. Not a whole lot of money spent. And unsurprisingly, they went straight back down. Similar enough plan to what Norwich did this past season. Come up, try and make it work. If it doesn't, go down. Don't overspend. Don't carry big contracts. Reload with the money you took in in the Premier League plus your parachute payment and try to bounce back up. And that is pretty much what they did. Um, but in the summer that they went down, they also sold Danny Ings and Kieran Trippier, two players who would go on to become England internationals. So that summer they signed uh, Matthew Lowton, but he's the only sort of established Premier League player that they brought in. Um, the rest of the signings were from the lower leagues, which is understandable when you're in the championship and trying to get promoted, you're buying players from around you. Um, but they did get promoted. They finished first. 
a really, really good achievement. They had a very impressive season. Andre Gray, massive breakout star for them that year, 25 goals. So they come back to the Premier League and you think, okay, second time around, this is where they'll show some ambition. And they did in some ways. I mean, Nick Pope arrived and Goodmanson arrived from Charlton, so that was fine. Jeff Hendrick came in from Derby for, I think, around $5 million. And the big signing was Stephen DeFore uh, from Anderlecht. I think they paid around $9 million for him. They also then went out in the January, brought in Ashley Westwood, who's still a key player to this day, and Robbie Brady, who'd probably be a key player if it hadn't been for the injuries. But again, over the course of the season, not a whole lot of spending going on. But what they managed to do was finish 16th and stay up, which, you know, for any newly promoted club to stay up is exactly what you want. It's exactly what you're looking for. Anything above that is a a huge uh, achievement. So it was promising. And you thought, right, they'll go into next season now. They're, you know, the second season, they'll try and establish themselves a bit more. But that's not really what happened. They sold Michael Keane, who'd been so important to them the year before. They sold Andre Gray. They brought in nearly 50 million or slightly over 50 million for those two. And they signed Chris Wood and Jack Cork, who are important players, and Charlie Taylor from Leeds. But again, it wasn't a lot of spending. They made a massive net profit on that summer. And yet still, Sean Dyche managed to push them on and finish seventh. So you look at it and you think, okay top half finish. They're going to be in Europe now. They've got Europa League football. Uh, Surely they'll spend some money, but they didn't. I mean, Ben Gibson arrived for a club record fee, but it was $15 Aside from him, they signed Joe Hart for pennies and uh, Matthias Vidra for, you know, an undisclosed small fee. Um. You thought when things were going badly, as they did at the start of the year, well, they'll go in January. They've got some money in the bank. Now they'll go in January. They brought in Peter Crouch. They basically swapped. They they, they sold Sam Vokes and got Crouch back in part exchange. And then this past season, they went in the summer. They brought in Eric Peters, Jay Rodriguez from, from the championship. Uh, two aging players got them both on fairly reasonable deals. Uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell was a, was a good signing for the long term, but not someone that's going to improve you straight away. And then in January, they brought in Josh Brownhill to add depth in midfield. And Sean Dyche did it again. He got them a top half finish. So now you're looking at. This will be four years back in the Premier League. And still no spending. Still no willingness to spend. I mean, so far they've brought in Will Norris from Wolves. And that's it. And surely at some point it will come that Sean Dyche will decide to leave. Um, he's been there a long time now and he's he's done pretty much everything he can do. And when you look at their team, they've got a great goalkeeper in Nick Pope and, and Peacock Farrell is a, is a really good backup and he will eventually become 
the first choice because they will no doubt sell Nick Pope at some point. They've got a really good centre-back pairing, Tarkovsky and Ben Mee, though they could maybe look to, to start bringing in a replacement for Ben Mee. That would probably be Joe Worrell. They'll eventually lose Tarkovsky because that's what they do. You know, he's got a value probably in the region of 25 to 35 million, somewhere around what they got from Michael Keane. He's one of the better defenders in the league. Um, so they will get good money for him. They need help at fullback. They have solid fullbacks, but they're aging or they're injury prone in the case of Robbie Brady. They've got neat and tidy midfielders in Jack Cork, Ashley Westwood and Josh Brownhill. They've got that front two, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes, who are consistent, reliable. Jay Rodriguez adds into that mix. They could do with a bit of a difference, but it works for them. The star that they have, the real star at Burnley, is Dwight McNeil, obviously. Um, and you know that eventually he's going to get plucked away because he's too good to not go and play European football on a regular basis. So you look at Pope, you look at Tarkovsky, you look at, at McNeil, they will easily bring in. 100 million between them, probably a little bit more. And how much of that is, is Sean Dyche going to get to reinvest? Will they just say, oh, you've already got your your goalkeeper in, in, in Bailey Peacock-Farrell so you can go and get you know somebody cheap to be your second or third goalkeeper? Um, what will they do to replace Dwight McNeil, who came through their academy? And what will they do to replace Tarkovsky? probably scrap around in the lower leagues, find somebody on the cheap, and expect Dyche to work miracles again. And at some point, Sean Dyche is going to want more because he is a very, very good manager. And he often gets dismissed because he's a little bit gruff and his style of play isn't the most exciting. And maybe his time at Watford wasn't a huge success. But Sean Dyche is a very good manager and he's led them to two promotions and two top half finishes in the Premier League. And on the budget he's done that on, that deserves backing. And the problem for him is that because of the style of play, a lot of clubs will be hesitant to go out and bring him in. And I mean, if you listen to Friday's show, I listed five managers that I think could find them on the hot seat, find themselves in the hot seat uh, this coming season. Lampard was one, but Chelsea wouldn't appoint Sean Dyche. Roman Abramovich wants a more exciting brand of football. Uh, I listed the Hodge. Maybe Palace would be a fit for Dyche. But at the same time, it's not really a step up for him. That's kind of a sidewards move. So would he be all that excited about that kind of move? They will back him a little bit more. Palace are a little bit more willing to, to spend money. But I don't know that they'd that they'd back him or that, that he would see that as a as a step up. Um Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer was was the next one, but United wouldn't appoint Daesh because of the style of football. And I think they learned maybe from Moyes that that kind of manager at that kind of club just won't work. 
Slavin Bilic at West Brom. You could absolutely see Dyche going there, but again, that's a sideways move. It's not a step up. It's not furthering his career. But the one that could further his career would be Leicester. Now, it would be a drastic change for Leicester. And when we consider what happened with Claude Puel, who is a similar enough type of manager to Dyche, and they got rid of him because they didn't like the style of football, maybe it's hard to see him go there. But I think he could do really good there. I think if you look at their players, I think Dyche would use them in a more suitable way. I think he uses what he has. I think he gets the most out of his squad. And because his squad is lacking in a number of areas, right wing and the fullback spots, or left wing, depending on where you play McNeil, and it lacks flair and inventiveness, it's very much a, a grafting team, a team that's well-drilled, team that makes the right decisions. You, you watch them play in midfield. Westwood very rarely gives the ball away. Cork very rarely gives the ball away. Brownhill is that that same profile. That's why they went for him. You look at their central defenders again. They don't make a ton of mistakes. They're very well positionally drilled. The, the back four works as a cohesive unit. It's not four individuals out there just trying to make it up as they go along. But I think if he went to somewhere like Leicester and had a higher ceiling of player, a higher caliber of player, I do think maybe we'd see a bit more from Sean Dyche. I mean, they shouldn't always, Burnley shouldn't always get written off as just being this agricultural team um, because they play two banks of four and they graft hard. They do play some decent football. Those two boys in midfield knock the ball around well. When, when Robbie Brady's in the team, he's a quality player. Goodmanson the same. Cousin Jeff was the same. And Dwight McNeil is is a really, really good player who I think I think a top six club should be taking a gamble on him this summer because I think you can mould him into being whatever you want. Either he can be a quality winger, an inverted winger. You could make him a left back. For a top, top team, I think you could make him a left back. Or at the very least, a left wing back if you wanted to play a 3-4-3. Um, like, for example, Leicester, as I've just mentioned, they're looking to replace Ben Chilwell, but it does look like they're also in the process of moving to a back three. Well, Dwight McNeil as the left wing back opposite Ricardo Pereira would be exceptionally good. And I would imagine that the 50 million you got for Chilwell, you'd still have change from that after buying Dwight McNeil. Um, I think... Burnley need to be really careful with Dyche over the next 12 months because it may well get to the point where his head gets turned, where he just has a little bit too much of the penny pinching and decides that he wants to go and prove himself somewhere else. He came quite close to going to Everton a couple of years ago. And he won't go there now, obviously, because they've got Carlo, but you know, if Newcastle came up or maybe Southampton, West Ham, they're not necessarily upward moves. They are all kind of sideward moves like Palace, like West Brom, but there's more potential maybe there. And if Newcastle get new owners, there'll be more money. I, I, I would be 
a little bit concerned about the long-term future with Sean Dyche if I was a Burnley fan. I think there's a possibility that he walks in 12 months if they don't start to back him. He has to be frustrated at this point. Joe Worrell is not the first player that this has happened to him with, and he won't be the last either. And they're going to lose out on him. If they're only willing to pay $4 million, they're going to lose out on him. Uh, speaking of Leicester, it does look like Timothy Castanier from Atalanta is the first choice of Brendan Rodgers to come in and replace Ben Chilwell. This is a bit of a strange one in that he is nominally a right back, though he can play on the left, but he is very much a wing back. And at Atalanta, he has been the third wing back. He's the backup to both starters. And it's a role he fills really, really well. He is a good player. He's a reliable player. He's someone that Rodgers has been interested in for a couple of years, or more specifically, Lee Congerton has been interested in for a couple of years. They tried to sign him when they were at Celtic. I think the fee at that point was about $7 million. It looks like now the fee is about $20 million. Um, I, I, I'm not against the signing. I think it's a smart move. But I think he's best suited as your third wing back. I don't know that he's a starter. And I definitely don't like the idea of him playing left back in a back four. Um, I think defensively he's a little bit suspect, but he's obviously much more confident when defending at right back, his natural position, than he is at left back. Going forward, he'll narrow them a little bit because his instinct is always to cut back inside onto a stronger right foot. But his left foot is useful. Um, and he will go on the outside from time to time. It's a good signing. It's a little bit pricey. And as I say, he wouldn't be my choice as a starter. But it's good to see Leicester branching out from the usual Brandon Rogers pool of, oh, I've worked with him before. Or, oh, he played well against me before. So I'll sign him. Um... Sticking with wingbacks, then, it uh, looks like Aston Villa are about to seal a deal for Matty Cash. Rumours are that it's going to be a fee in the region of $15 million and that he has already agreed to personal terms. I really like this deal. I really, really do. Um, he's much more a wingback than a fullback, but I would imagine Villa are looking at maybe moving to a diamond for the season ahead because they seem to want to get Grealish more involved in central areas rather than out in the left wing where he found himself last season. And the best way to do that is going to be to play a diamond. So you play Grealish at the tip, Douglas Costa, uh, Douglas Louise, Douglas Costa, Douglas Louise as the, the holding midfielder. And then from McGinn, Hurahan, Marvellous Nakamba, and maybe you buy one or two others, you, you have, you know, your engine. You just pick two from your group. Horses for courses, depending on who you're playing. And you want Douglas Louise and you want Grealish in the team every week. You can possibly have them there. Um, and Matty Cash then fits in perfectly because it opens up the right wing for him. And he can just bomb on all day and he'll provide quality service. The question mark is who is he going to provide that to? The Villa have been linked with a number of strikers. The two most prominently linked, Milot Rashika from Werder Bremen. And Ollie Watkins from Brentford. 
Um, rumours are that they're getting a little bit frustrated with Brentford over the Watkins thing because Brentford want £25 million and Villa want to pay about 18 but will maybe put in some add-ons. And at some point, you just have to say, look, you're the team that spunked over £20 million on Tyron Mings last summer when you could probably have gotten him for half that if you'd sat down and negotiated because nobody else was in for him. So maybe you just say, look, let's just cut our losses here. Let's just pay a little bit extra and get the player we want, a player that suits how we want to play, a player that will improve us, a player that we badly need because we didn't score nearly enough goals last year. Um, but I think I think Villa are making good moves this summer. They are targeting, I think, the right players. Last year, a little bit too scattergun, but this year it does seem like they've put work in They've identified areas of need. They've gotten specific targets in those areas of needs, and and now they're they're pursuing them. It is interesting that you wonder if they're working off the old director of footballers at uh, football's list because the new guy hasn't been there long enough. So maybe it's they're working off the old list, and maybe that's the guy who'd made the contact with some of these clubs, and that could be what's slowing up the deal a little bit. But uh, cash will be a good signing for them. And they've done well if they get him because so many other clubs were interested in him. Strongly linked to Fulham. Strongly linked to West Ham. Everton could have done with him. I think Wolves, he would have been the ideal signing for Wolves to replace Matt Doherty, um, who, who has obviously headed off to Spurs. It did look like their preferred choice to replace Matt Doherty was going to be Ainsley, Maitland, Niles. But it now seems like he's set to stay at Arsenal. And uh, as I said on yesterday's show, I think that is the right move for Arsenal. He would be one I'd be looking to include in my long-term starting eleven if I was Arteta as my right wing back. I thought he was really, really good in the community shield. I think he's a quality player who offers immense versatility. You can play him pretty much anywhere and he will do a job for you. I think he's got real desire to play football as well. I think that's why he was maybe pushing to leave was that he wanted to play regularly and they just weren't offering him that at, at Arsenal. But maybe now after his performance in the Kennedy Shield, Arteta has seen the light a little bit. Uh, Wolves desperately need to get somebody in there though because Doherty was so important to how they play. And they've had bad news this week with Johnny Otto um, looking like he's out for maybe most of the season. With that knee injury, um, every time there's a report on that knee injury, it seems to get worse. So his he has no return date uh, on physioroom.com, which I think he did have originally. Uh, and then the other bad news is that Adama Traore has tested positive for coronavirus, which is a huge blow because likelihood is now that he will not be ready for the start of the Premier League campaign. And even if he is, he's not going to be near 100%. Um, so to lose him, their, their game changer at this point is a massive, massive blow. Uh, and it's a, it's a blow to the Premier League as well, because I think everybody enjoys watching Adama because he's such a unique player and he can just break a game open in an instant. Um, I'd imagine Raul Jimenez is particularly devastated because he is his, his best supplier now with Matt Doherty gone missing. Wolves have a couple of things they need to address this summer, and they've been surprisingly quiet in the transfer market so far. You'd expect that things will heat up for them. 
in the coming weeks, as they must do for their uh, black country rivals, West Brom, who've been very, very quiet. For a newly promoted team to be this quiet in the market so far is a little bit a little bit concerning to me. Um, they were apparently in for Shane Duffy from Brighton, but he has chosen, it looks like, to go to Celtic. So their only signing so far is Matthias Pereira from Sporting, but he was with them last season, and they agreed that deal in, like, January. Um, it's just taken a few months to sort out the fine details of it. The only other player that I've seen them linked with is Cedric Ypres from Wigan, who's a squad centre-back at the Premier League level. I'd be a little bit concerned if I was West Brom right now. If I was a West Brom fan right now, I'd be a little bit concerned at the, the seeming lack of movement. Um, they, they, need, they need quite a bit. They really do need quite a bit. They've got holes in defence. They could use probably one more body in centre midfield. They definitely need a wide player. And they need a striker. They need someone who's going to score them uh, some more goals. Charlie Austin's great, but he's going to miss half the season. And I don't trust Robson Canu at the Premier League level to deliver consistent goals. So if I was a West Brom fan, I'd be I'd be hoping and praying for at least four signings. One in defence, one in centre midfield, one in a wide area to replace uh, what Dean Gannon brought you last year, and then one up front to get you consistent goals. I think without... At least three of those, West Brom are in for a very tough season. Uh, we'll wrap up with the BBC transfer gossip page. Uh, Lionel Messi will leave Barcelona this summer and is likely to move to Manchester City, according to one of the presidential candidates. Now, I mean, this is obviously a, a political statement on his behalf as well, as he's running for the office of president of Barcelona Football Club and wants to demean the current guy and you don't need to demean the current guy he does that all for himself uh he's been an abomination and there's not a chance he can win that election so i i just stay quiet and i wouldn't try and i wouldn't try and rock the boat if i was tony freka i would be ringing lionel messi and asking for a meeting and just getting a picture taken sitting down talking to him you don't even have to convince him to stay just make it look like you tried that's all you need to do there uh, Barcelona believe the only way the Argentina Ford can leave for free is if he commits to not playing football next season. And I, I discussed this last week. I mean, this this is the only way. He'll have to sit out the year. Um, even if he tries to take it through the courts with appeals and, you know, Barca will drag their feet. He'll miss next season anyway. So either someone needs to come up with an offer or he needs to resolve things at Barcelona and agree to stay one more year. Barca saying, oh, we're only going to sell him for the 700 million in his uh, contract is absolute nonsense. And nobody's going to pay that kind of money and he doesn't want to be there. So you may say that and he'll just sit out the year. So you're the one that loses because you lose him for free next year. Barca would be better off saying to PSG, to Manchester City, our asking price is 150 million. Come and talk to us and we'll see what kind of deal we can do. Both both clubs have players I would imagine Barcelona would be very interested in having. Uh, we know that Barca have a long-time interest in Marquinhos and they're desperate for a centre-back. So would PSG be willing to do that move? Um, they have a couple of players who could fill that holding midfield role that they've 
shoehorned Marquinhos into for the last couple of seasons. And they'd have the money to go and buy somebody to replace him there as well. Um, would they do that to get Messi? I think they probably would. City could maybe offer Bernardo Silva, uh, Eric Garcia. You know, they've got a number of players that would interest Barcelona. Um, the president of Argentina, Alberto Fernandez, has urged Messi to return to his boyhood club, Newell's Old Boys. It would all be very nice and romantic, but it won't happen. Chelsea have agreed to sign Bayer Leverkusen and Germany forward Kai Havertz for an initial club record fee of 72 million, which will take their transfer spending past the 200 million. I don't believe this deal is agreed uh, because Rudy Voller, who is in charge of football operations at Bayer Leverkusen, has said it's nonsense. He said it's garbage, but he doesn't have a fancy catchphrase like the man, the Guardian, have turned over their entire uh, sports department to. It's remarkable what that paper has just done. They've just kind of given up and gone all in on, on a spoofer. Um, Manchester United are targeting RB Leipzig's French defender, Dale Upamecano. Uh, they should be. He's great, but Leipzig have come straight out and said, no, he signed a new contract. Go away. He's not for sale. United are looking to sell England midfielder Jesse Lingard and Brazil midfielder Andreas Pereira as they are deemed surplus to requirements. They may be looking to sell them. They will have great difficulty in selling them because Lingard earns a fortune. And they ruined Andreas Pereira. I mean, when they got him, he was one of the most promising young players in Europe. And they just ruined him. They didn't develop him properly at all. So the best of luck trying to sell them, you're going to end up having to loan them. And you'll end up having to eat quite a bit of their wages, as you did last year with Smalling, as you did last year with uh, Sanchez, who you paid like 300 grand a week to play for somebody else. And then paid fifteen million to him this summer to go away. If United fans are wondering where the transfer budget is. It's paying off the bad moves of the past. Uh, Spain midfielder Danny Ceballos is poised to rejoin Arsenal on another season-long loan. This is a good move. This is a good move for him. Um, gets him regular football. Arsenal obviously badly in need of midfielders, so it makes sense. He knows Arteta. He knows the style. He knows the system. Makes sense if you don't have the money to go and buy uh, all that you need this summer to bring him back in on loan. Uh, clubs in Saudi Arabia and Qatar have expressed interest in signing Germany's Mesut Ozil this summer, but the Arsenal playmaker has no intentions of leaving London. What we've seen in recent weeks is uh, Juventus sitting down with Higuain, Real Madrid, oh, not Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona sitting down with Luis Suarez, and Arturo Vidal, and saying, go away. Here's the money we owe you. Go away. And this is what Arsenal should probably do with Mesut Ozil. Because either in the 4-3-3 or the 3-4-3, whichever way Arteta's going to play next year, there's no spot for him. He's He needs a club that's going to play an old-fashioned 10. You could maybe play him off the right wing, but Arsenal aren't going to play with wingers. So um, they need to sit down and tell him to go away. Find a way to make him go away. It's just become a distraction now, and it's just going to get worse. For the sake of the club, with this new era that you're trying to step into, it's time to sit down with Mesut Ozil and say, whatever it takes, we'll give it to you now. Go away. Uh, Tottenham have opened talks over a new contract with uh, French goalkeeper Hugo Lloris. Despite signing Joe Hart on a free... I, I don't know why Joe Hart would have any impact on Hugo Lloris. Joe Hart is literally signed as a quota filler. 
literally signed as a quota filler. There's no other reason they've signed him. Um, it makes sense to open talks with Lloris, but I wouldn't be looking to have him as my long-term goalkeeper. 33, reflexes are already starting to go a little bit. Clearly diminished from the goalkeeper he was four or five years ago. Um, fine for the next year, maybe two years, but after that you've got to replace him. Uh, Spurs are in talks with Bournemouth and Norway striker Josh King and also want Callum Wilson uh, from Bournemouth. Now, they're going to sign one or the other. They don't want both. I think I would rather have Josh King. If I'm honest, I think he's more versatile. I think I'd rather have Josh King than Callum Wilson. If I was Callum Wilson, I'd probably have my agent ring Brighton. Because I think he's exactly the type of striker that Brighton need. Uh, Aston Villa are also interested in signing Wilson from Bournemouth. Makes sense. If the Watkins deal is slowing down, makes sense to look elsewhere. Or at least have Brentford think you're looking elsewhere. Uh, Schalke are chasing Arsenal goalkeeper Emmy Martinez. Uh, who's also been linked with Villa. Villa could maybe do with looking at a long-term solution in goal. Uh, As much as I like Tom Heaton, he is 34 now, and he's coming back off quite a serious injury, so that would make sense. Schalke don't have any money. None. I mean, they're desperately trying to sell players. Weston McKinney was meant to be the future of the club, the poster boy who was going to lead them on this commercial march across America. And they accepted 50p on the pound from Juventus uh, just to get some money in the doors. They're also trying to sell Osan Quebec, who is one of the most promising young defenders in Europe and undervalued just to get money in. Arsenal have agreed a deal to send English centre-back Rob Holding on loan to Newcastle. I said this before, it's a good signing. If they're going to play back three, they needed one more. Um, I don't know that Holding will get any more minutes at Arsenal than he would have at, or at, at Newcastle rather than he would have at Arsenal, but it's a good deal for Newcastle. Uh, even Rakitic is is leaving Barcelona to join Sevilla. Um, good move for him, eh, meh. Okay move for Sevilla. He's past his best, but he's he's a leader. He'll bring something of value. Um, and finally, Inter Milan could look to offload Christian Eriksen eight months after signing him from Tottenham. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. They're doing strange things this summer. They had a deal for Sandro Tonali lined up. They had a deal for Marash Kumbula lined up. Two brilliant young players that could have been the heartbeat of their team for the next decade. And they pushed them both to the side because Conte wants to pursue... Arturo Vidal and whatever other old players he can find on on football scrap heap. And I've seen people say, oh, but it's Conte wants to win now. These are win now moves. Sandro Tanali is better than Arturo Vidal in 2020. I'm very sorry to break it to you. Arturo Vidal has not been a competent football player since 2018. And in 2020, he is poor. Now, maybe going back to Serie A will suit him because of the slower pace. But I would still much rather have Sandro Tonali. Much, much rather have Sandro Tonali. Inter are going to regret this transfer window for a long time. Now, I don't love Tonali going to Milan because I'm not sure him and Benacer works. 
two very similar players. It's a little bit redundant to have them both in the team. If you're going to play them in a double pivot, any team that plays at a high tempo is just going to play through them. They won't be able to keep up. They don't have the they don't have the foot speed. They don't have the explosiveness. They don't have the dynamism. Great when they have the ball, they'll never give it away. But it's not like Milan are going to dominate possession most weeks. Um, I, I I think it's a massive loss for Inter. I think he would have been brilliant there. You put him in midfield with Barella and Sensi for the long haul. That would have been great. I'm not not massively keen on the fit at Milan. Um, Milan are doing strange things this year, but you know that's not for this podcast. Ericsson, though, Ericsson is the point, and Ericsson was an opportunity signing for them at the time. They got him on the cheap, and I think they probably always bought him with the view of selling him, if I'm honest. he ne- He's never fitted into a Conte system. Conte wants to play 3-1-4-2, and Ericsson doesn't fit. I think they bought him cheap with the aim of selling him this summer. Now, whether they'll get the buyers this summer, I don't know, because obviously he was bought pre-COVID. Um, but I'd imagine there will be interest. I think they could probably get a loan with an obligation to buy, but he'll be 29 next year. So how much of an obligation are you going to get? You might get $40 million. I think when they bought him, they were thinking they might get $60 million this year from someone stupid like Manchester United. Um <laughs> I think they'll end up loaning him with an obligation to buy. That's my bet. And I think there'll be Premier League clubs that will want him, but I don't know that he'll be willing to make the move. Um, That's it. That is me for today. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in to listen. I hope you're enjoying the show as much as I'm enjoying doing them. Uh, I'd like to ask you to check out eplindex.shop, where we have bespoke merchandise, and you can, you know, Get your, if you're a Liverpool fan, you can get the Premier League badge. If you're a United fan or a Chelsea fan or a City fan and you have jerseys that you'd like the official Premier League Champions badge for, uh, we have them on there. If you're a Bayern Munich fan or, again, a, a Chelsea fan, a Manchester United fan, and you've got jerseys that you'd like the official Champions League winner's badge to put on, we, we have them too. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff on there. Check that out. Also, uh, if you can go to Twitter, follow at Two Footed Pod. Um, we are doing a giveaway with our friends 3retro.com, uh, where they're giving away a retro shirt of your choice. All you need to do is go to EPL Index or at EPL Index. It's the pinned tweet. Retweet it. Follow EPL Index. Follow 3Retro, follow the two-footed pod, and you'll be entered into a draw. Um, It will run until, I think it's the 7th. I think it's the 7th of this month. Um, But yeah, they've got really cool merchandise on there. You can go on their website, check out what they have, uh, pick what you want. And if you win the competition, you you can ask for it for free. And if you don't, you just have to go and buy it. But they've got... Classic Milan jerseys, classic Juve jerseys, all Premier League teams, um, really, really good stuff. Classic Inter Milan jerseys from the early 90s that are catching my eye. Really good stuff. So make sure you check that out. Uh, 3retro.com, eplindex.com, eplindex.shop, and follow at 2 Pod. 
on your Twitter machine. Thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow. Podcast Network.